Get your Bibles out and go to Hebrews chapter 12. Now, I'm going to preach a sermon called The Race Before You. And again, the Spirit of God the other day, well, actually over a week ago, began to deal with me about this. And a lot of times people think, you know, I don't know where people get sermons from, but I get all of mine in prayer. Whatever the Lord wants me to do, I pray until I know that I know that I know. And if it doesn't fire me up, it isn't God. If I get all fired up, I go, well, that's God. And and that's how I know what he wants me to preach. And then he just started giving me scripture, started talking to me about this. But we're going to talk about the race before you. And I want to talk about this because what we're going to talk about tonight is holiness. Ooh. I want to read something from a book. And I'll tell you, I'm going to tell you in a second why I'm doing this. Um, not hellfire, damnation, holiness, but just... Um, in the body of Christ today, there's a lot of people who have the mindset that when someone comes forward, they're a convert. There's no such thing as a convert. You're not converted. And when that came from us preaching, come to Jesus and go to heaven. Christianity, you do go to heaven. But that's not why you come to Jesus. You come to Jesus to have a relationship with your Father through the Lord Jesus Christ. And if not, then you're kind of missing the point. It's kind of like Lisa going, well, you know, I married you for a, for a, a house and a car. Well, that's nice. I would get you a house and a car, but I was kind of hoping you married me for me. So, uh, so Jesus said, go in all the world, make disciples of all men. And so the convert idea means come to Jesus so you can make heaven. And you do. And there's nothing wrong with that. But, there's, but a lot of people have never understood that God is looking for more out of you since what he put in you. Now, he paid a high price for you. And just a, a sloppy life is not acceptable to God. I mean, he paid a lot to redeem you from sin. He paid a lot. And holiness is not a bad word. So I'm going to read something to you. And it's, I got it from the book In Christ. This is an old book. Um, <clears throat> the guy that wrote it died in 1895. So this is kind of an old book. <clears throat> the method of grace is precisely the reverse of the method of legalism. The latter is holiness in order to union with God. The former is union with God in order to holiness. You see, we didn't, he, he, he saved you and did what you couldn't do. You couldn't save you. You couldn't redeem you. You couldn't pay your debt. So he did that. Now, if you understand the Bible, we're a spirit, have a soul, live in a body. First Thessalonians 5.23. Man is a three-part being, spirit, soul, and body. Your spirit, man, is what's brand new. You're complete. You're a new creation. You're the righteousness of God. But your soul and your body are not. The soul and the body are your responsibility, and God requires you to do something about it. Now, having said that, what happens is people walk in a church, and I'm going to say a good church, where the pastor's not just preaching how much God loves you, 
But he also, and I call it Ephesians 1, 2, 3 preaching. That's who you are in Christ. And then there's 4, 5, 6, live right. And we have a lot of people don't ever get into 4, 5, 6. Because the average Christian doesn't want a sermon on responsibility. They really don't, but it's required. So because of that, there's a lot of misconceptions in the body of Christ about what we do in church and why we do what we do in church and why you go to church. And because of that, people are disillusioned. They come to church and they think, well, why did you preach on that? I said, what's in the Bible? Okay. Anyway, that's that book. Let's read. Let's start by reading. Hebrews 12.1, and I'm, I'm going to read down a little bit. I'm going to read like about 11 verses, so just hold fast with me. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, those are people who have died and gone on before you, and they know how you're doing spiritually, let us lay aside every weight, not sin, and the sin, which so, indeed, so easily in, ensnares us, and run with endurance or patience, the King James says, the race that is set before you. The Bible says that your Christianity is like a race. There you are living with a goal in mind of meeting Jesus. And a person in a race, a person who's going to run an Olympics, lives differently than people who are not in a race. They, 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 they work out when everybody else is goofing off. They, their diet is very different, but their goal is to run the race and finish the course. Now, understand, we, you know, the Bible talks about just the fact that you crossed the finish line, you won the race. This is not one person only gets born again and makes heaven. I mean, we all do, but there is a race before us, and God is wanting you to be in that race, and he's wanting you to do whatever it takes to get across that finish line. Now, let me finish reading here. Looking unto Jesus, the author, the beginner, and the finisher of our faith, not without you working with him, it won't happen, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despised the shame, and sat down to the right hand of the throne of God. In other words, he had a race, and he ran his race, and he finished his race. Consider him, Jesus, who endured hostility from sinners against himself, lest you become weary and discouraged in your souls. You know, words, you live in a bad world. You have not resisted to bloodshed, striving against sin, and, and you have forgotten the exhortation which speaks to you as sons. My son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord, nor be discouraged when you're rebuked by him, for whom the Lord loves, he chastens and scourges every son whom he receives. If you endure chastening, God deals with you as sons, and what son is there whom a father does not chasten? And if you are without chastening, of which you have become partakers, then you're illegitimate and you're not a son at all. So I'm going to ask you a question. Does God correct? Yes, he does. So we're, and who does he correct? And how does he correct? Now we need to know this because every sermon is not designed to tickle your ears. If you want, now I wrote something down here, and I want you to never forget it, and this is going to make, make you or break you. 
there's only one way to grow closer to God. That is, you have to have a desire to please him, and if you do not, you will not pay the price. We're not talking about sloppy grace. We're talking about people who get born again, make Jesus Lord, and they care what he thinks. Now, because of that one statement that I've made, most Christians who walk in church, most, have no earthly idea that they're there to be discipled. That means that he said, go in all the world and teach them to do, D-O, what I said. If I teach you to do what he said, that means your flesh is going to get nailed to a cross. You're not always going to do what you want to do. You're not always going to go, and you're not always going to act the way you want to act. Fit throwing is over. Being offended is over. You belong to the Lord Jesus Christ. You were bought with a price. You understand that? Now, now, now. There's, there's just areas that people have just, I don't know. And, and so, a lot of times, and we're, the first way he talks to us, and we're going to read the rest of this, is by you reading the Bible, by you actually reading it. If you read it, which most Christians don't, nothing I preached would bother you. But because people don't read the Bible, they freak out. When I choose something other than Jesus loves me, this I know. So here's what the word chasten means. To correct, to punish, to reclaim an offender, and to purify from error and faults. Does God work on you? Oh, you better believe he does. He works on you. He loves you and I too much to leave you where you are. Now, here, here because of that, well, there's, there are people who don't understand this. And, and, and because of that, they don't understand church. I'm not here to give you a motivational speaking and a teaching that's not my job. I'm not here to motivation to motivate you to a better week. I do, but I don't do that only. I mean, I have children. I motivate them. I love on them. I care about them. And I take them in the back room occasionally. Or I did. I don't do it anymore. So let me finish reading this because... And, and again, I say this with grace. This is probably a, a, a chapter most people have never, ever read in their life. If you endure chastening, God deals with you as sons. Okay, I read that. Verse 9, furthermore, we have had human fathers who corrected us, and we paid them respect. Shall we not much more readily be in subjection to the Father's spirits and live? For they indeed for a few days chastened us as seemed best to them, but he for our profit. 
It's not a negative thing. God correcting you is for your profit. In other words, without it, you have no profit. You, your life will not get better. That we may be partakers of his holiness, no chastening seems to be joyful for the present, but painful. Nevertheless, afterwards, it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness by those who have been trained by it. Is God training you? Yes, he is. Now, now let's go to a scripture. Don't go there. I'm just going to quote it. Train a child in the way he should go, and when he's old, he won't depart from it. The Greek, the Hebrew word, that's the book of Proverbs, is the same word for training horse. Make your children mind. Well, they're two. You can't do it. I've had five that were two. I never had terrible twos one time in my whole life with them because dad is more terrible than they were. Now, I love my kids. We never, we never discipline kids for mistakes. Never discipline a kid make them say. If they spill the milk, just make them clean it up. Don't scream, don't holler, leave them alone. If they sass you, take them in the back bedroom and don't use a bolo paddle. If they are still mad at you when you come out, you did a terrible job. Someone said, well, I'd beat them to death. No, you won't. If you do it right. If you do it right. Now, now, I've had people say, well, my father abused me, so I don't spank my kids. Well, you got out of one ditch into the other. You know, you're, as a parent, your job is to train them and teach them right from wrong. And, and, and you have no business growing them up and marrying them off to someone. If they're stubborn, wild, rebellious, and crazy. Because now their spouse has to train them. And they're gonna, they will get a divorce. They, they will get a divorce. And you've destroyed their life. Now, as a pastor, do I have a job to train you? Oh, I, I most certainly do. Well, to the best of my ability. Now, I, I can't take you out and whip you. I have given that thought. I have actually had that thought. <laughs> Verse 12, reading, therefore strengthen the hands which hang down and the feeble knees. Make straight paths for your feet so that what is lame may be dislocated but rather healed. Pursue peace with all people and holiness without which no one will see the Lord. Now, we're not going to go down that road. Looking carefully lest anyone fall short of the grace of God, lest a root of bitterness springing up cause trouble, and by this many become defiled, lest there's a fornicator or a profane person like Esau, who for one morsel of food sold his birthright, and you know that afterwards he wanted to inherit a blessing, he was rejected, and he found no place of repentance, though he sought it diligently with tears. Go to Ephesians chapter 2. The Bible, I call it weed and feed. There's, there's scriptures that feed you. There's scriptures that weed you. But look at 2, 8. By grace, you have been saved through faith, not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone boast. Now, everybody knows 
that it isn't what you do that gets you born again. It's not of works. But can we continue to read? We are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good what? Works. Say works. God is looking for good works, and he's looking for fruit out of you. And when he doesn't find it, he's going to prune the tree. He's going to fertilize it, and he is going to water it, and he's going to deal with people based on where they are because he's got an investment in you. And so there are people who don't obey God, and the Bible says he gives more grace for God resists the proud. That means it's possible for him to withhold grace. I didn't say you were going to hell. I didn't say you weren't saved. I just said that God is a good father, and he is not giving the same amount of grace to everyone. Now, that, that, that's going to answer the question that you were wanting to ask him when you got to heaven, but just ask me, why, God, why? Probably because you're not doing what he told you to do. And he's locking you down, and he wants your attention. Okay, somebody said, do I love all my kids the same? Absolutely, I love all my kids equally. Do I treat them equally? Oh, I do not. If you do, you're crazy. You don't give a gun to a little kid who you know shoots the headlights out of cars. But you don't take one from the other one who's responsible. You treat kids differently. And there was a young man I knew one time, and, and, and um, he was a pastor's son. And his mother said to me, when he was growing up, people in the church accused him of shooting headlights out of all the cars in the parking lot. It was the pastor's wife, the pastor's son. So I went and I said, did you do that? And he went, yep. Just because you're in denial about your son doesn't mean he's not handful. And he didn't make it. He's not alive. He left home, straight to the pig pen. Because parents never trained him right. Never taught him right from wrong. They thought that if daddy was a pastor, he'd just get it from the sermons. You know, you don't get it from sermons. You better go home and talk to your kids and teach them. And now, now here's, a, here's a rule of thumb. Sandwich. All criticism between two slices of praise. Don't spend all your time beating on your, on your kids and being ugly and talking ugly to them. You got, they got to hear good out of you and how good they're doing and, and, take, and do things with them and love them. They got to know you love them or spanking don't work. But if all you're going to do is love on them and don't smack them, you, you've, you've raised a bad kid because they don't have any boundaries. They want, kids want boundaries. People, I believe people want boundaries too. So you and I were created for good works. I'm not going to go there, but in the book of Titus, go to Hebrews chapter 5, 8, and just put it on the screen. God is, is requiring a, a separated life. He's requiring it out of you. Okay. Though, this is Jesus, he was a son, yet he learned obedience by the things he suffered. Do you think Jesus learned obedience? It says he did. That doesn't mean he was disobedient. But God made sure Jesus had a normal boyhood with lots of chores. 
and lots of correction. And he grew up in a Jewish family with the law. And, and, and God never gave us law. He never took right from wrong away from you just because you got born again under, under grace. Stealing's still wrong. Lying's still wrong. Adultery's still wrong. We could go on down the rest of the Ten Commandments, but it upsets some people. Because, you know, we, we have this idea that it doesn't matter how I live, and I'm going to tell you, it most certainly does matter how you live. Okay. Jeremiah 1, 9, just pop it on the screen. I'm not going to go there in my Bible, just Jeremiah 1, 9. I want to show you the office of a prophet. Now, I'm saying this because today in churches and in, in America, you're going to start hearing prophets more. We have entered a time of prophets. Now, we were in a season of teachers where all there was, you came to church, teaching and teaching and teaching and teaching because my people are perished for a lack of knowledge. And God emphasized, there were still prophets, there were still apostles, but, it, but the teacher was in the forefront. The teacher is not in the forefront now. Because we're in a season in the world where we have to hear from prophets. And I'm going to show you the job of a prophet so that when you hear one, you're not thinking he's supposed to act like a Bible teacher. And the Lord shall put his hand and touch my mouth. And the Lord said to me, behold, I put my words in your mouth. Go to, see, I have set you this day over nations, over kingdoms, to root out, to pull down, to destroy, throw down, build and plant. A prophet is always a person who comes in and goes, now you see that in your life? Tear it down. It's all wrong. It's wrong. Stop it. It's wrong. Now, get the word and let's build that back right in you. Does that make sense? Let's talk about one of them. Let's talk about one of the things we need to tear down. False sovereignty. Everything that happens is God. That is nothing more than laziness. Okay, I'm going to pick up another book. Don't get too excited. I'm reading this book by Grace Ruse, R-O-O-S. Billy Brim put this back in print, and it's, talking, it's actually dealing with spiritual warfare or the authority of the believer. She's telling a story here about a lady she tried to teach the word to. A very precious saint sat under my teaching for several years, but she resisted partaking the truth of binding and loosing power that had been granted to her. She never did exercise these weapons. She even mentioned that she got her prayers answered, and she didn't need any more. In other words, all I need to do is just pray. Now, let me slow, stop here a minute. I've had people who come to this church, and I, I'm not going to mention a name. I'd love to, but I'm not going to. But we have prominent men of God in our nation that are big dogs, big dogs. They don't believe in the authority, of the, the, the praying this way. They don't, they don't believe in, in jumping and running and shouting and praying. They don't believe in it. And yet they're very good men of God. I have one of them, I'm thinking, we have his books out there. But he don't like Mark Hankins. He sees it as not necessary. Now, that could, well, all that means is that of all the stuff he's written, 
what he knows, he knows well. But he also, what he don't know, he don't know. So I've caught it from his students who think that we're off the chart because we pray loud. Oh, I don't see the necessity of it. Well, it's kind of hard to explain the necessity of praying loud until you get in a position where you're not talking to God, but you're dealing with the devil. I mean, I've had times when I'm in prayer and I'm, and I am like, and I just don't invite everybody into the building because I think you're crazy already, you know? But I mean, you can't tell me that don't work because I've had times when I've just, I've been in prayer and God had me just go over in the spirit and start dealing with stuff and, and turn it around. But this lady decided that all she needed was to ask God. She didn't need to bind the devil. She didn't need to lose him. She didn't ever need to deal with devil. Let's finish reading it. She even mentioned she got her prayers answered. She didn't need any more. The day came when her lovely daughter, whom she had had great plans, ran away and married a divorced man. Just before this, the Lord, in his faithfulness to her, had me renew the teaching of the authority of the believer, but again she turned away from it. Time passed. She managed to accept the situation concerning her daughter, but the enemy who had not been bound was having a filled day, and he was not through by any means. The next, her husband, who had lived faithfully for God up to this point, backslid in the process of time, and the devil's still loose to do anything he wanted to do, separated them, and the divorce went through, and he married another woman. Did God fail her? No doubt. She prayed, and she prayed fervently. But prayer will not substitute for rising up in the name of Jesus and binding the power of the devil. Do you understand? She's not obeying God. She's not obeying the Bible. But see, today we have a a mindset that I don't have to do what he said, but I'm just going to pray about it. Well, if you're not doing what he said, it doesn't matter if you do pray about it. It ain't happening. Case in point, let me give you an example. When I first got born again, I went to God and I said, I need more money. I mean, I'm barely making it. You understand, I'm making $83 unemployment. I get a job making 125 but now I'm paying tithe and it's costing me money to get to work and they're taking out income tax. So I'm back to making about $80 a week and I'm working. And I went to God and I went, this ain't right. I said, I need money. And then he said, I guess you think I lied. And I went, I don't know where you got that from. I'm trying to talk to you about money. And that's when I decided he had a feminine side because I'm talking about one thing and he's talking about something else and I don't know what he's talking about. And I'm, all right, never mind. If that went over your head, don't get mad at me. Just love me anyway. I mean, I'm, I'm not quite as perfect as you are yet. But anyway, so, so God said, I guess you think I lied. And I went, I, I, I. so I slowed down so he'd understand me. I said, no, 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 no. I didn't call you a liar. I said, I need money. And he said, I guess you think I lied. And I went, no, I I didn't say anything about you lying. I said, I need money. And he said, what's Luke 6.38 say? Give, and it shall be given good measure, pressed down, shake. And I said, you're crazy. I did call him a liar. I'm wanting him to give me money, but I don't want to do what he said. So, now, I'm, a, I'm from Georgia, and God knows how to talk to people from Georgia. So he took his foot, and he drew a line in the dirt with me, and he said, put me to the test. And I said to him, are you drawing a line in the dirt with me? He said, I am. I said, your own. Because he knows I'll fight. 
I mean, I hadn't been saved long. That was when I gave five extra dollars, made 50 extra, gave another five. Made. But, but see, disobey, you can't pray your way through disobedience. And the average church member today is trying to get God to move when they haven't done what he told them to do. And that's, that's everywhere. All right. Just write this down, Matthew 7, 24. Jesus talked to them at the end of the Sermon on the Mount. And he said, you know, they, those are those who obey my word. He talked about um, uh, being obedient to the word of God. Okay. Go to 2 Timothy three sixteen. now. I got a lot of stuff. I can't go through every bit of it. I always write tons and tons and tons of notes. I always have enough notes to go about a month every time I preach. I don't know why. 2 Timothy 3.16. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine and for doctrine and for doctrine. Help me. How am I doing? Let's read it again. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God, profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction, so let me ask you a question. Who in the world is going to be doing this? I'm going to tell you who's going to do it. It's going to be the pastor of the church. It's his job. Do you all notice how quiet it just got? How are you going to grow if you're if you stay on the same path you're on now, how are you ever going to grow up? You will never grow up. You will miss God. You will never fulfill the destiny on your life unless you love the word and you love correction. Anybody who wants to please God loves correction. People who want to please flesh hate correction. Now, just mark it because you just identified about half the people in this church you know and put them in one or two categories. I don't want to hear that. Well, you don't want see, if you're going to obey God, then he's going to say some things to you. And the good news is, and this is the way he talks, so we're going to get some more of this. Number one, he will always deal with your conscience. And the reason he does it is he's hoping he can get through to you before he goes public. But he will go public. So I'm going to give a, a disclaimer here. The next time a policeman pulls you over, I want you to do to him what you do to me. And I want you to ask him, why are you embarrassing me? I dare you to do it. I mean, right in front of everybody in town, he's got you pulled over. He could have called you and met you at the house or sent you a ticket without everybody. You know what? But, but listen, he didn't embarrass you. You embarrassed you. All right? When you're in school. Now, I was kind of hoping Melanie would be here tonight because she was a school teacher. Any more school teachers in here? Anybody else taught school? 
One back there. You, you know, the teacher takes tests and corrects them. And whose fault is it if it's a D? Do you want her to just put a, a face on it and go, let's talk later? Now she puts a big red D and says, I want to see your mom. And she's not embarrassed a little bit about telling you, you need to straighten up and fly right. Now, in business, you're corrected. In the military, you're corrected. In football, you're corrected. But God Almighty, don't you ever correct anybody in a church. Because we will leave and we will, by God, go somewhere else. Goodbye. And this is the state of the American church. It's the reason we're in the mess we're in because in order to keep you coming, we have to water the book down. Yeah. No, I don't do it. I've learned to smile. But let me talk about me for a minute. I'm going to read the rest of this. Right when I got born again, and, and, and I'm, I'm, I'm in my mother's apartment. Pat Robinson comes on, and he quotes the scripture, man, don't work, don't eat. He's worse than an unbeliever. And I'm going, oh, shoot, I need to get a job. And I turn the TV off. Do you think that's God? It's absolutely God. I mean, he's got this new, he's got this kid that just got born again sitting at home watching Christian TV all day. And I mean, I don't have any money. I mean, God's going, uh, you need to get a job, boy. And so he used Pat Robinson, and I'm pretty sure that he was, God did, made Pat say that just for my sake, because I turned the TV off and I got out of the house and went and got a job. Now, when I got a job, I had, the reason I didn't keep jobs is because I had a bad attitude. And now God's got to train me. See, he don't want to train me for ministry. He just needs to train me first how to go to work, keep a job, and shut up. That's my first training. He, he's, not, he's not training me for ministry. He's just training me to be a normal human. So I get a job at a fiberglass plant, and I clock in at 4 o'clock. said, 4 o'clock? And my new boss screams at me, first day, Morgan, you are late. And I grab my card, and I turn to him, and I get him, no, I am not. How many of you know this is not the way to start your first day back to work? And he walks off and the Lord says, you are late. He said, you asked me to get you a job. You asked me to get you out of debt. You have been asking me to help you. And I got you a job. And the first thing you do is chew your boss out. He said, from this day forward, this is your scripture. You work as unto me. And I want you here 15 minutes before time to clock in. Clock in. Go to the bathroom. Get your water and be waiting to get on your job site because I'm watching you. You work for me. Do you understand? And do you understand? I got chewed out by the God of love. For whose benefit? Mine. Do you think that's love? You better believe it's love. Now, did he talk to me like that all the time? No. But when it was necessary, he sure did. And if he never talks to you like that, you need to come up and get born again. 
I'm telling you what, he can be pretty tough. But he's, but I have never, I have never thought that he didn't love me or care about me. He's been the dad I never had. And through that, he taught me to make money. I got raise after raise after raise after raise. And he was constantly showing me, helping me, correcting me, t- helping me. And by the time I left, he said, tell, go tell your boss you're leaving. You're going to Tulsa. You're going to Bible school. I had to pass some tests. God had to do some work in me to get me ready to go to Bible school. And just because I went to Bible school didn't mean I was ready for this. There was a period that I worked in the world, God had a lot of things to teach me that I didn't get growing up because I didn't have a dad. I didn't have the whippings I needed. Thank you all for y'all's enthusiasm. I know you. I'm thrilling you out of your mind. You're just sitting here going, hallelujah, praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Chapter 4, verse 1, I charge you, therefore, before God and the Lord Jesus, who will judge the living and the dead as it appear in his kingdom, preach the word, be ready in season and out of season, convince, say the next one, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and teaching for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but according to their own desires, according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they heap to themselves teachers, and they turn their ears from truth and be turned to fable. But you be watchful in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. In other words, preach the word of God. Preach what I said. Teach them to do what I said. That's the pastor's job. That's the minister's job. We're to teach you what he said. Now, Having said that, there are things, all right, flesh, your flesh is not born again. Thank you. And if you don't know it by now, then you got saved last week. Anyway, I'm going to try to find a thing. In this book, In Christ he goes in and starts talking about um, our, our, our flesh and putting it under. Um, I hope I can find it. I think I can. I think I can. I should have written down page number. In other words, God didn't leave you. He didn't raise you up for you to stay the way you are. He didn't save you to stay the way you are. He's expecting maturity. He's expecting growth. He's expecting you to become more and more like Jesus every week, every month, every year of your life. Not just show up in church and mentally assent to the preaching of the Bible, but to come and read the Bible in order to do it. When you find something he's talking to you about, you go, Okay, I know what you're saying to me. And he'll constantly, the Holy Spirit will constantly be showing you something he wants you to work on or showing you something. And often it will come through a sermon, not necessarily with your name on it, but you'll be out there and go, oh, wow, where's that scripture? Oh, my God, that answers my question. That's Wow, yeah, that's it. Now, let's talk about the third way. 
does he at times address you from the pulpit and look you in the eye? Yes, yes he does. Did Jesus do it? Yes, he did, didn't he? Does he still do it? He most certainly, he does do it. Boy, that was quiet in this church. Titus 2.11, just turn over there. Let's put it on the screen and let me, and then we're going to go to Matthew 21. Titus 2.11 through 15. Are y'all okay? Everybody breathe. Is this too much for you? Okay, they're good then. For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men, teaching us, what's grace teach us? Deny ungodliness and worldly lust. You should live soberly and righteously and godly in the present age. If you say, I go to a grace church, well, then you're probably getting holy then. And if you're not, run, because you're not in a grace church. All right, let's look at another one. Um, Matthew 21, and I'm going to turn there. I want to show you something because, because I, need to, I, need to, I need to deal with a, a, a spiritual attitude that has crept into the church. <clears throat> if you've been listening lately to people like Mario Murillo and, and um, different men of God, they're getting pretty strong on the church, and it is God. And you, sit, you can't sit back and go, well, that's not, that don't sound like Mark Hankins. Well, maybe not everybody's supposed to be preaching like Mark Hankins. <clears throat> I believe God wants Mark Hankins to preach who you are in Christ because you, you desire the sincere milk of the word that you may grow. You need to know who you are in Christ. You need to know, and you need a diet of it. You don't need just, I mean, I need to get in here occasionally and just preach who you are in Christ, what God did for you, and get you reestablished in righteousness. Because, because without it, you're going to turn into a legalist. <clears throat> Remember what God did for you. Now, Matthew 21, 45. I'm going to read this because a lot of times people think, well, you, 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 should, not be, you should not say those things. <clears throat> when the chief priests and Pharisees heard Jesus' parables, they perceived he was talking to them. Was he? Yes, he was. He told the story because they were in the crowd. He wasn't holding back. There are times when the Lord says to me right in the middle, he says, I have something you need to say it, and you need to say it right now. And I don't know what's all going on in people's lives, but he'll say something to me, and you'll say, now, from here on, in a prayer meeting we had not too long ago, from here on, put the pointing of the finger away. Stop it. And I'm a nice guy. But I'm going to tell you something. I'm going to have to obey the Spirit of God. If he says, tell someone to put your finger up, put your finger up. Now, the whole, now, if I preach like that every week, well, you'd have reason to worry about me a little bit. Like, well, I think this guy's a little overboard right now. But I don't. As a matter of fact, I don't even like doing that because I like friends too. <laughs> but I like God more than I like you, so that fixes that. <clears throat> now, now, go to Matthew 23, and I'm not going to preach on this, but I just want to show it to you in the Bible. 
Jesus starts off chapter 23, verse 1. He spoke to the multitudes and the disciples and said, The scribes and the Pharisees sit in Moses' seat. Where are the scribes and the Pharisees sitting while he's preaching this? In the crowd. And he's fixing to rip them. Thank you. Folks, we have a lot of people out there that don't even know they have a sin problem, much less need a Savior. You don't know you need a Savior if you don't know you have the disease. And if you, if you need to hear about you have the disease, I'm not talking about preaching mean. I'm talking about preaching truth. I told you about the story, and we'll finish this in a minute, the story of the, the two Christians that were doing the, um, Lisa probably remembers who I'm talking about, they were doing the, the remodeling in houses, and they got kicked off a of TV because they were Christians. And so a boy that worked for him that was gay came to him and says, why are they taking you off the air? And they turned and says, well, because we're Christians. And he said, what would that matter? And he said, well, because there's people like you, you being gay, that are offended because I don't believe that homosexuality, that God made you that way. And he said, well, I think God made me this way. And so the boy opened his Bible and showed him that he's going to hell. And the boy went, I don't want to go to hell. He said, well, you're going. And he says, well, what do I need to do? He says, you need to be born again. He says, well, then let's do it right now. And the boy got born again. But now we got people out there, they just, you just shut up. Well, let me tell you something. Preachers are not supposed to shut up. And the biggest problem is not the sinner, it's church members. We don't want to hear it. We don't want to hear it. Then when your kids get older, you come to me wanting me to pray for your kids, and you're the one that didn't want to hear live right. <clears throat> Don't shout me down. Because every time the preacher stands up and preaches on living right, there's people that throw a fit. How do you think they're going to learn? They're not getting it in school, and they're definitely not getting it from you. <clears throat> Boy, howdy, Hallelujah. We stopped preaching this way because people started branding it hellfire damnation preaching. You can preach truth without being angry. You don't have to be mad to preach truth. Therefore, whenever they tell you to observe, observe and do, and don't do according to their works, for they say and they don't do, they bind heavy burdens and hard to bear and lay them on men's shoulders. They themselves will not lift a finger to help you. And all the works they do to be seen by men, they make their pylectrates, whatever that is, broaden and enlarge the borders of their garment. They love the best places and feasts, the best seats in the synagogue, that greetings in the marketplaces to be called by men rabbi. But you don't be called rabbi, for only one is your teacher, the Christ, and you're all brethren. Do not call anyone on earth your father. I wonder if the Catholics have ever read that. For one is your father who is in heaven, and do not be called them teachers. For one is your teacher, the Christ. But he who is greatest among you will be your servant. Whoever exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. And woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, you hypocrites, and you shut up the kingdom of heaven against men, and you neither go in yourselves and allow anyone to go in. Woe to you, scribes. And he goes through talking about woe, 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 and he preaches a whole lot on hell. And they're in the crowd. Later, the Bible says, many Pharisees came to the Lord. He's a prophet, isn't he? Are there prophets today? 
Do you know I am? I didn't know it. For a while, I struggled with it because I wanted to be just like Joel Osteen too. I just really wanted to, I wanted everybody to just like me. And I'm going to tell you, when he gives you a sermon and you're like, oh, Lord, no, not today. Can we do the other one? Like this one. If you're mad at me right now, you're a Pharisee. Now think about that a minute. There's two kinds of unrighteous. There's unrighteous, that would be a hooker, and there's self-righteous, which is the greater sin, self-righteous. God would rather you be a prostitute than a Pharisee. Woo! Now, is this corrective? I already showed you that was okay. Is it? No, let's, let's, are you ready to move on a little bit? You're like, well, let's move on. Let's, okay, well, you're good? All right. Go to Revelation 2. There's a teaching in America today that God is not angry anymore. He isn't. But here's where that came from, and, and I wish the people who preached it, I wish they knew what they were talking about. I really do. They just, let me give you two words. In the, they're in the Bible. They're the word judgment, and they're the word condemnation. They're not the same word. When you see a girl skating on ice, the people that have the cards, 3.5 or what are the 4.7, those are judges. They're not going to kill her. They're just not going to let her win first place or second place or third place. They're judging her. Condemnation, the word con, if you went to English, it means with. Damnation is our word, damnation. That means damnation. If a policeman pulls you over and gives you a ticket, that's judgment. But if he takes you out in the woods and shoots you, that's condemnation. So preachers are not allowed to damn people or to condemn people because there is no condemnation to those. Jesus took your condemnation, but he didn't take your judgment. God is still judging you. Now, because of that, they use the word wrath. He's not angry. Well, that's a stupid thing to say. What you're inferring is that he's up there laughing and he don't care what you do. That's wrong. He does care what we do. Boy, it's quiet in this Baptist church. He does care what we do. He wants us to make it. He wants us to do well. He wants our homes. He, when you get married, he wants you to stay married. He wants the kids to grow up in a normal home. He wants the husband to not be selfish. He wants the wife to not be selfish. He wants you to be givers. He wants you to be on fire for God. He wants you to understand grace and truth. And he wants you to, to, to but, but yet in America, that's not the way that it is. We have way too many people that, that come to church and, and never pick up a Bible, never read it and say, I'm saved. Yeah, but you're, you're a Christian, but you're not a real good one. 
Thank you for y'all's. So the word, so is God angry in the sense that Jesus bore your damnation? No, all damnation's off of you, and you're his child. I love my sons. I love my daughters. Have I ever been angry? Yes, I have. Did I kill them? No. They thought they were dying, but they... Are you, if you're a parent, you understand that completely. Let me ask you another question. Have you and your spouse ever gotten into a dispute? Were you angry? Yeah. The Bible says be angry and sin not. It never tells you not to be angry. There's a time to get angry. Go, no, 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 we're not doing that. No, we're not. No, no, you're not. And you know what? There's things that Lisa and I have gotten disagreements, and I had to change. And there's times that we got in disagreements, and she had to change. And there's times we both had to change. But it never would have if it hadn't come up, and it came up because something's, be, something's wrong. And we're going to talk. And we might raise our voices, and we might, listen, if you're doing it all the time, you have, you're a hothead. But, but yet, there are going to be times when you have to go, well, you know, I love you, but uh, we, we need to have a talk. Because we're not going to keep doing this. And thus it should be with Christians. Let me ask you a question. Can you have a civil disagreement? You should be able to. I don't mind if Frank and I sit down and talk about the rapture and he believes we're going in the middle and I think we're going in the end and you think we're going, you think we're not going. I just don't care. And when we get up, we go have coffee and have fun and enjoy each other and go, well, I guess we'll find out in the long run. Well, why can't we, why can't, why can't people disagree without leaving. If I left Lisa every time we had a disagreement, we'd be divorced about 365 days a year. We don't agree on everything. Why do you think that you have to agree with everything preached and everything goes on in church? That's a sign that you're carnal. Do you think blowing someone's candle out makes sure it's brighter? It doesn't. All you're doing is showing everybody that you don't know is God as well as everybody thinks you do. Did you know that one of the things I enjoyed about being in Israel, I met a guy on the, on the airplane and he says, do you know the difference between two Jews arguing and two Gentiles, Christians arguing? And he's Jewish and I'm going, well, apparently I don't know the joke, so tell me. He said, when two Christians argue, there's two point, there's two opinions. He said, when two Jews argue, there's seven opinions. Do you know how they do Bible school? They go in a room and they argue with each other and they debate. You wouldn't debate anybody in church in America. It would offend them and they'd leave. That's called not walking in love. I don't know whether you know that or not. That's called not walking in love. Can't even have a disagreement without you blowing a gasket. Folks, there's something wrong. And folks, why am I preaching this? Do y'all want to grow? Do you really want to grow? Love is not touchy. Get over touchy. You don't know what they did to me. I don't know and I don't care. Get over it. Suck it up. Amen. Learn to get along with people you don't agree with. Learn to love them anyway. Go out and buy them a cookie, a cake, and a cup of coffee and tell them you love them and go, my God, I don't agree with you. But anyway, I love you. I might actually be impressed. 
Let's look at Revelation chapter 2, verse 4. Jesus is writing a letter to his church. Who is reading the letter? The pastor. I'm saying that for a reason. <coughs> because he gets on to all of them but one. Now, see, we think today he wouldn't do this, but he did and he does. He still brings correction in churches. To the angel of the church of Ephesus, the word angel is angelos, it means messenger, which means it could have been a real angel, it could have been the pastor. <coughs> These things says he who holds the seven stars in his right hand and walks in the midst of the seven golden lampstands. I know your works. I thought we weren't saved by works. Why did he bring up works? Is he expecting me to do something? Yes, he is. I know your labor, your patience, that you cannot bear those who are evil. You, 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 you don't put up with the people that are, that are living in sin and living for the devil and smoking dope and chasing wild women. You put them out of the church. Glory to God. I'm, I'm proud of y'all. You've tested those who say they're apostles and are not. They're liars. You kicked them out too. Thank you. I'm glad you did that. You have persevered. You have patience. You labored for my name. You have not become weary. All this is great. I love y'all. Y'all are doing great. Except, except one thing. What happened to your first love? Why is it you don't love me as much now as you used to? Remember where you have fallen. Repent. Do the first works. There's that word again. I mean, why is he on this works thing now? Are you actually supposed to be doing something? For God forbid. We never knew that. Else I come to you quickly and remove your lampstand. He does not owe you a church. Straighten it up or I'm leaving. How many churches do you walk in and he isn't there? Oh, yeah, there are. He don't owe you the anointing. He don't owe you anything. You're either going to do what he says or he'll go find somebody who's listening. And I, I didn't say they were going to hell. He just said, I'm taking, I'm taking my anointing off of you to function as a church, and I'm going to put it on that little church down the street in the shopping center, and I'm just going to hair lip bear creep because they're listening to me. Now, if you love God, you'll obey God. But what happened is they stopped caring what he thought, and they started going through the motion. Show up on Sunday, two hymns, two hers, a word, leave, don't have a clue what was preached. And America, that sounds a lot like America to me. Does he like it? He hates it. You ought to read that and go, ouch, I think I'll go back to my first love. Okay, kind of like when you first got married. When I first started dating Lisa, I did all the cooking. After we got married, hey, where's my food? And then when she says, well, it's in the refrigerator. Then I learned to cook again. All right. In other words, how did I treat her when we were dating? Do I still treat her that way now? Or do I take her for granted? Are you taking this for granted? Or do you remember that you were on your way to hell 
and he saved you and he redeemed you and he called you and he filled you and he forgave you and he washed you. Now you don't need a band to make you worship God. You ought to learn how to worship God now. Woo, I'm doing good. All right. Let's jump, let's jump, let's jump to um, 1472, 14. I have a few things. This is another, the, the, the church in Pergamos. I have a few things against y'all. You got people in there that teach in the doctrine of Balaam that taught Balak to put a stumbling block for the children of Israel to eat things, sacrifice to idols, commit sexual immorality. Thus you have those who hold the doctrine of the Nicolaitans, which I hate. Repent, or I'm going to come to you quickly, and I'll fight against you with the sword of my mouth. He who has ears to hear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the church. To him who overcomes, I'm going to give the hidden manna to eat and give him a white stone and a, name, a new name written that no one knows. Does he expect you to live right? He does. What is he talking about, the, the Nicolaitans? What is the Nicolaitan? That, you remember Nicholas the proselyte in the book of Acts that be, became a disciple? Nicholas, Nicholas was a Gentile who became a Jew. Then he became a Jew and became a Christian. And he came along and said, it doesn't matter how you live, grace is enough. You can be saved and live any way you want to live. And Jesus said, I hate that doctrine, and it's called sacrosensitive today. You got homosexuals in your church for five years hoping they'll repent. Well, bring them in here. We'll give them about two Sundays. But I don't want, uh, listen, if they get saved, and we've had a bunch of them saved, and I never told you because it's none of your business. They come up after the service, they meet me in the office, and they go, I'm gay. And I'm going, okay. We get a Bible out, get them born again, and they grow. And, I, and, and, and they stay here as long as they're not running out of the church with little boys. You think I don't watch them? Yeah, I watch them. Jack Hayford had a boy came to his church who was gay. And he came forward to get born again. About three or four weeks later, or six weeks later, I don't know how long it was, he walked over and he took his phone out of his hand. Sunday morning. And he says, what are these phone numbers, San Francisco, in your phone, son? He said, get them out of your phone or get out of my church. This is Sunday morning. The boy got on his knees, got right with God, got up in the altar, took his phone, threw it away, and, 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 and quit calling gays. Now, you wouldn't say, well, John Kayford, I mean, he was, I mean, he's a loving guy. Sure he is. That's called being a father. He saved that soul. He saved that boy's soul. You don't put up with people. You don't put up with people living like hell in your church week after week, month after month, year after year. You go to them and say, hey, do you need some help? We can help you. Come on. I mean, Lisa and I have, a, we talk to a lot of people. We don't tell nobody nothing. You better be glad we don't because we won't tell on you either. I didn't mean to give you a spit bath. You're just bet, you're the closest one to me, so. Verse 20, 220, nevertheless, I have a few things against you. This is another church. You allow that woman, Jezebel, calling herself a prophetess, teaches to do. Who, who's allowing her in the church? The members are allowing it. You got, you got somebody in the church that's causing strife, and you're allowing it? You're allowing it? You allow it? I don't allow it. 
Well, they're my friend. Well, then you don't know God. Are y'all out there? Did you go home? I'm not talking about you going around and ripping everybody up. I'm just talking about you pulling them off the side and go, you know, what's, are you okay? Can we pray? I mean, you look like you're struggling. I was in my office one day, and somebody asked me a question, has I forgiven a certain person? And I said, yes. And, um, and, and Jeannie Bowser mentioned that person's name, and I said, I said I've forgiven him. And Jeannie, sitting in her chair, went, apparently not. She made me mad, too. She just made me mad. I said, I'll fire you, girl. I mean, I just, and I stopped and I went, eh, God, that guy. Get... Father, I need to get this out. Of... I mean, I need to get this dealt with. In my... I, I am dealing with bitterness. And, and God used someone in the office to call me on the carpet. And I'm like, ah, I hate it. Don't use a woman, God. Don't use a woman. Are y'all all right? Go to Proverbs 12.1. Let's see how we're doing for time. I got one minute. There's a bunch of these, Proverbs 12.1. I want you to write this down, and this is going to be a proverb for you the rest of your life. The light in the kitchen does not create roaches. If you have roaches on your counter, it's because your counter's dirty. And behind the refrigerator is dirty, and behind the stove is dirty. The ro- the light did not. My preaching did not create your problem. The, if if my preaching is bothering you, you have a dirty countertop. Thank y'all. I just think I do. It's just and don't think I hadn't sat in church services before and had people preach, and I just oh Lord have mercy help me. I mean, listen, I got people, Mary Friends gotten on me, Mark Hankins got on me, Lisa gets on me, God gets on me, and I'm glad they do. Now, if it's all the time, then they have an issue, but it's not. Look at this, Proverbs 12, whoever loves instruction loves knowledge, and he who hates correction is stupid. You're stupid. How are you going to grow if God never shows you where you need to grow? The correction is not creating your problem. It's just exposing it. Thank y'all. So I'm, 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 trying to get, I'm trying to close. I have a whole lot more scriptures. Start off by reading your Bible more. Don't wait for me to read these scriptures. Don't, don't, don't sit around the house and just read books. And then one day someone reads a scripture and it just, oh, I don't believe he's preaching on that. This is weed and feed. This book will keep you straight. You need to read it. You need to pray. And you need to walk with God. And you need to want to please him. When you go to church and the sermon is dealing with something you're going through, don't meet me at the door and say, you know you were preaching to me. I don't know it. You, that's between you and God. And for the few times that I do know it, it's love. 
because I already know there's a good chance your pride is going to get in your way. But I love you too much to leave you where you are and ignore the way you're living your life. Now folks, if you love people, don't compromise. I don't mean you love people, you care about people. I don't mean harping on everything they do wrong. When you see something that's about to take them out, step off the side and say, can we talk? How are you doing? I don't have time to get into it, but I'm going to tell you the deadliest thing you'll ever bite is bitterness. You're going under. It's designed to take you under. I've had times in my life when I've gotten bitter. It's Satan attacking me. And yet, I'm walking around upset at people. And they're doing fine. I'm just... It's an attack on my soul. It's, a, it's an attack to take me out from hell. I wish I had time. Just, I'm not preaching on bitterness. But sometimes we need to have sermons on forgiven. Sometimes we need sermons on love. Sometimes we need a good, old-fashioned, woo, thank you, Jesus. The, the marriage seminar that they're doing at their house. The reason I wanted Jimmy to do it, the guy that's doing it, because I don't want you to think that I'm preaching at you because he can say things I can't because you know he don't know you. But you know I do. I want you to say, Father, thank you for the times you corrected me. You had my interest at heart. I was missing it. And you wanted to help me. So when you hear scriptures or you hear a sermon and you hear something that pride, Cain, God told Cain, he corrected him. Cain, sin's at the door. And you'd better rule it. And he didn't listen. That's pride. When God says something to you, it's a warning because you're about to do something stupid. I, have, I wish I could tell you right now that the times he's corrected me, I listened. I can't say it. But there's two or three times in my life, if I could go back, I would change that. I would change that day because, because the disobedience cost me more than I wanted to pay and took me further than I wanted to go. And so I have a greater reverence for God now, I don't steal, I don't lie, I don't chase wild women, I don't smoke dope, I don't do any of those things because, you know, there's a certain amount of reverence to God, but I do want to please Him, and I learned that from this book. So when I have someone correct me, I just say thank you. If they're wrong, I still say thank you. <laughs> say Amen. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for this evening. I, I pray everybody in the sound of my voice is listening to uh, my heart and yours. The body of Christ today, for whatever reason, we have this idea that this book 
the way we live doesn't matter. And, and, it, and it does matter. It really does matter. He who would love life and see good days. Uh, it's all in there. It's all over the New Testament. And I pray everybody in the sound of my voice will leave tonight and go, you know, I think pastor's right. I think it's time to start working on my character, working on the things God's talking to me about. How's your marriage? How are you doing with your spouse? How are you doing with relations with other people? How are you doing in your thought life? Are you counting all joy? Are you thinking on good things? I pray, Father God, we pick up our Bible with the intent of doing what's written instead of just trying to go through the motions of reading a couple of chapters every day, which is just religion. And I'm asking you to help us be better men and women of God than we, and better Christians than we've ever been because we're living in the end days. And you told us what it would be like. Now, I don't think any of us in this room want itching ears. I don't want itching ears. Don't tell me what I want to hear. Tell me what I need to hear, Father. Tell me what I need to hear. And I ask you to do that for us all in Jesus' name, amen. We hope you enjoyed this message by Word of Life Church. We just wanted to let you know there's a lot more content on our website at wolapopka.com. From our YouTube channel, to our podcast, to our SoundCloud, and many more events. We also wanted to let you know that we love giving you these messages. And it helps us too that if you would love to give to the what we're doing it helps keep all these messages free you can just simply go to our website and click the big give now button or you can text 407-955-5345 and remember our pastor's vision is this we grow christians so we thank you for listening and we'll see you next time